Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another Ask Zach. Today, we're going to talk about uh, gigging six days a week and also uh, kind of an answering of your question about, uh, you know, things that were helpful learning resources for me. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So first off, if, uh, if you've been enjoying the show, please subscribe. If you have already subscribed, I uh, really appreciate it if you'd go to askzach.com and go to the store and you can either uh, pick up a mug or a t-shirt. Also, there's tip jar information, you know, in the description of the video. And I appreciate you supporting the show. It's what keeps it going. All right. So first off, answering uh, kind of a uh, many viewers have asked about good learning resources. And I'm not... I. I can only speak from my own experience, and one of the greatest uh, learning tools I had, besides a good guitar teacher, was um, you know the instructional videos that started coming out in the uh, '80s, and the one that is, that means the most to me, and uh, and I I just remember horribly fondly, is get that classic Fender sound by with Jim Weeder. And it was uh, produced by uh, Homespun Entertainment, Homespun Studios in the uh, in the late eight, early nineties, and it was on VHS, and I bought it, and it showed up, and it completely hooked me. Um, you know, one, he he takes all these different vintage guitars and amps and talks about them, and then he also talks about the players that used them. And he shows off their licks. It's an amazing video. It's still available. I think you can stream it or you can, you know, from Homespun. And I'll put a, I'll put a link in the description. But uh, what I played at the beginning of the show, which of course is at Reggie Young's part to Memphis Soul Stew, I learned it from Jim Weeder's Get That Classic Fender Sound video. And he used a Harvard. Of course, I've got a 59. I think he had a 55. And he had a real uh, Esquire custom from '60. Now this is my JV telly, but uh, this is you know this is in tribute to Jim. And uh, I'm I'm very fortunate that Jim and I uh, 
have uh, gotten to kind of know each other some through email and phone calls. And, uh, and that means a lot to me because uh, Jim's a hero. I mean, Jim, you know, Jim's playing and, uh, and that video, it really got me down the vintage thing and also about the players that he talked about. And so he played a guitar like this and an amp, you know, in an old Harvard talking about R&B playing. And, uh, he talked about Steve Cropper and Cornell Dupree. And, uh, that's where I first learned about double stops, which I play them, you know, all the time, you know. And sixths. You know, there's so many things I learned from that video, and uh, it's a great kind of, uh, you know, kind of intermediate level video. And I, I, I highly suggest you check it out. You know, by by today's standards, it doesn't have uh, you know amazing looking you know video, but it's it's great. The licks are great. The uh, the stories he tells are great. And uh, anyway, I highly recommend you check that out. And I'll put some more information on Jim Weeder um, on my website. So I'll you know put together like a playlist and uh, yeah, just have some more information. There'll be a link to that in the description. All right. Now the other thing that people have asked about is me telling stories about my uh, you know some of my gigging days when I was you know gigging professionally, not teching professionally. So I thought what better than, uh, you know, when I was playing the most and playing in bars, you know, six nights a week. So got to give a little bit of context. So during my senior year at Belmont University, I had interned at uh, MCA Records and Capitol Records for uh, a guy named Johnny Rose. Johnny Rose is in the sales department at MCA, and then when he went over to Capitol, I went with him over there to continue my internship, and I interned with him for, uh, uh, I think, two semesters. And uh, Johnny was great and very tolerant of me because uh, at the time I was really unemployable you know, because all I wanted to do was play guitar, and he was trying to, you know, actually, you know, give me some skills and try to help me. And he even tried to give me a job. He'd offered me a job at Capitol, uh, Capitol Records. You know, it would have been an entry-level position, but I would have had a real job. And I probably would have actually learned some real skills. Uh, but one, I was just blinded by the fact that I wanted to, to play music. And the other was I had a horrible tragedy happen. And that was my cousin named Lee, uh, he, uh, he died in a, uh, in a, in a car accident and it was right before graduation. Uh, I was right in the middle of finals and I got a phone call saying that he had been in a car accident and he had died. And, uh, he, he was like a brother to me. And, uh, I just kind of went in a complete tailspin and uh, part of it was I had been in a car accident just a couple of months before. And in one of those horrible tricks that your mind does, um, I started thinking that I should have died in my car accident and then maybe he wouldn't have. I know it's completely messed up, but we do these kinds of things um, just out of out of grieving and uh, 
and uh, yeah, and if you're going through that, you know, or have something like that, please, you know, get some help. But uh, anyway, so, and I tell you this not to, you know, be maudlin or anything of that. It's just to tell you this was my mindset. And uh, I graduated from Belmont, still kind of in a tailspin. And I had no job, had no gig, had nothing. And my parents came up, of course, for graduation. And we went and uh, they bought me a bed and because uh, I'd been living on campus the whole time. And uh, then I got an apartment with some of my friends. And uh, all of a sudden there I was with an apartment, rent to pay and all sorts of stuff. And I had, you know, I didn't have a job. Well, on a Saturday evening, about dinner time, I get a phone call from a drummer buddy of mine that uh, I had done some, some, you know, like demo sessions with and some little gigs, some little recording things with. And he said, hey, Zach, my wife and I are, uh, you know, we have a, a month's worth of dates and uh, our guitar player fell through and wondering if you want to go and play with us. We need to leave on Monday. So that's in two days or really a day and a half, really. And uh, we're going to be gone for 30 days. Well, I don't think I even really thought about it. I, mean, I just thought it was like, well, I need money and I need to do something. So I said, yes. So the next day on Sunday, we had a rehearsal that was more of, you know, kind of like a get to know each other because I didn't know, besides the drummer, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know his wife, who was the singer. And uh, I won't say her name, but I will say that the name of the band was, of course, it was her name, then Hearts of Fire. So at one point, I was a heart of fire. So I know, I know you're all you, yeah, eating this stuff up. So... Uh, I, I meet everyone and the keyboard player, um, he had just graduated from a, a religious university and he didn't know anything about country music and he didn't know how to take a solo at all. So he was not helpful. Uh, he, so I had to, you know, so it was a small band. It was just drums, bass, guitar and keyboards and a lead vocalist and the piano player couldn't take a solo and didn't know any of the material at all. And so all he could do was kind of comp some, some rhythm. So meanwhile, I had to play every intro, every, every outro and every solo. The bass player, uh, was, was good. He was competent. Uh, but he, you know, he wore all black leather, wore black leather chaps, had white, long white hair, big, you know, handlebar, you know, mustache, good player, but it was just kind of, uh, you know, we didn't really go together at all. So you had the, uh, the keyboard player that had graduated from a, a, you know, religious university. You had me that was a, basically a big guitar nerd, you know, kind of a poindexter who was, you know, I had a telly with a B bender on it and a bunch of stuff. You had a, uh, a bass player that looks like he should have either been in a Southern rock band or the village people. And then you had a, a front woman, you know, singer that had only performed on cruise ships and she had never, you know, fronted a band, you know, playing country music. And then you had her husband that played drums. Well, you know, we went through a couple of songs and then we, uh, you know, we got some, we all, you know, went home, got some sleep. And the next day we took off for Rawlings, Wyoming. And that's like, a, you know, at least a 20 hour drive from Nashville. 
So we left Monday morning, drove all day and all night. Tuesday morning, we get to Rawlings, Wyoming. We have to set up our PA. We've got a minivan with a trailer behind it. We set up the PA and we set up our gear. And I guess at this point, I'll tell you what my gear was. I had two twin reverbs. I had a stock 1969 Silverface twin reverb. And I had a, uh, a heavily modified Blackface twin with a 15-inch JBL that Brad Paisley had gotten a guy named Mark Ferguson in Nashville to build for me. And so, uh, you know, this was all due to Brad. He, he made the deal. He told the guy what to do and everything. This is the kind of guy Brad Paisley is. He's a, he's a great dude. And uh, so anyway, so I had those amps, and then I had a Tele with a B-Bender, and I had a Strat and a pedal board, and I had an Ovation 12-string uh, that I used as a 6-string because it was only acoustic I had that had a pickup on it. And that was my rig. And so we basically didn't sleep. We got there in time to rehearse a couple of, because we have to play five hours that night. And again, we've never really had a full-on rehearsal. No one knows any of the material. Uh, I had not played uh, much, uh, f- what I guess what you would call, you know, f- you know uh, female, you know, uh, country tunes, because I had mainly played with male singers, and so there were a lot of the stuff I just didn't know, because she was doing Bonnie Raitt, and, uh, you know, I guess that was more, more rock or adult contemporary, and, uh, you know, Shania Twain and Patty Loveless and, and, you know, Trisha Yearwood. And, and I was, you know, I was more versed in Brooks and Dunn and Alan Jackson and Merle Haggard and George Strait and stuff like that. So we're going through these tunes and somehow we make it through, you know, the first night of playing. And of course, we, we had to do a bunch of blues instrumentals to start off and end every set just because we only knew a couple of tunes. And, uh, Again, this is Rawlings, Wyoming, and we were staying at the Gold Spike Inn. And uh, you can Google it if you want to. And, uh, yeah, so we basically rehearsed all day, and then we played, and, you know, when we were, you know, because we, you know, we had to play five hours every night. We started at eight and finished at one. And, uh, and again, you know, there was no help from the piano player, you know, he was just comping some chords. Otherwise, I was playing all the fills, all the solos, you know, all the intros, all the outros. And uh, it was a workout. It was a real workout. And you know what? That was probably... Uh, now, of course, I've matured a lot since then with my playing. But as far as my chops and how much I learned from that, that was amazing. It really changed me as a player. And part of what changed me was... Um, I got tired of my licks because, you know, you're playing five hours a night, six nights a week. You know, we had to play six nights that week and all in the whole month that I was out with them, we played, you know, six nights a week and, uh, yeah, it, you get tired of yourself, you get tired of your licks. And so you start coming up with new things. And so even though we had played a bunch, I was still taking my tally or the acoustic back to the room, which had not been updated since the 70s and it had this clown vomit looking uh, shag carpet and we were staying two to a room uh, but yeah anyway I would take my guitar back to the room and uh, and I would be working on different you know solos and different things I could do to try to keep myself interested you know because it was like this was getting boring I mean th- there was the challenge of not making a mistake but also it's like you 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 know you wanted to keep getting better 
So it was it was a great great you know adventure, and uh, there were all sorts of uh, crazy things that happened. You know, you know, getting you know some you know, uh, American Indian gentleman uh, asking for a Dire Straits tune, and, and kept insisting on it until finally I played Sultans of Swing by myself. And uh, then, of course, he wanted to buy me drinks, and he wanted to go smoke peyote with me. And I told him it was uh, against the band policy to uh, smoke peyote. I said, "It's it, you know, it's sorry, I can't you know break the band rules. I signed a contract." And anyway, <laughs> he left me alone. But uh, yeah, it was a, a really fun and crazy time. And uh, most of the time, we were three to a room. Uh, we weren't getting any type of food at all, so we had to go to the grocery store. We each bought an ice chest, and we would fill it with ice from the hotel, from the ice machine, and we would get the cheapest bread, the cheapest bologna, and the cheapest cheese, and the cheapest milk, and the cheapest cereal, and that's what we lived on. And so once a week, we would eat We would eat out like something like at Pizza Hut, when you could get the little individual pizzas for like, you know, five bucks and a, and a Coke. And, uh, besides that, you know, cause we were, the money was terrible and, uh, but it was a great experience. And I still look back on those days, you know, fondly because, uh, you know, I learned a lot and it changed me. It, it, you know, it taught me things I wanted to do and things I didn't want to do, but, uh, you know, playing those bars and entertaining people and learning that, you know, you're there to entertain people and sell alcohol and uh, you're there to, to draw people in. You're not just there to uh, play a hot lick or something like that. You know, not that it you know certainly doesn't hurt, but uh, yeah, I learned a lot from those days and I'm uh, grateful for that time. And, uh, and I, I still think about the fact that I had two twins that I had blaring, you know, I probably had, you know, I probably had each of each of them on four or five and I had them kind of, in a, in a V behind me. So I'd be sitting here and then I'd have the twin, you know, each twin, you know, blowing out into the audience. And, uh, and uh, the reason I did that was because they didn't have enough channels on the PA. And, uh, so originally, of course, you know, I had two amps as one as a backup, but when, when they said, they're not going to put me through the PA, they're not going to mic me up. I said, okay, well, I'll just use both amps and blare one in one direction and the other one in another. And, uh, everyone heard me. So, and I'm sure I played too loud, but, uh, anyway, so yeah, so those are kind of six, six nights a week playing gigs, five hours a night. Uh, there's, you, there's no, you know, there's no way around it. I mean, that's the way you learn how to get better. Uh, I watched Daniel Donato play with, um, you know, down, downtown Nashville, you know, when he first started playing, you know, with the Don Kelly band and he was pretty good. I mean, he was, you know, it was kind of like, it was more of a shtick because he was, you know, because he was like 14 or 15 years old. But I, I watched him again a year later. And again, he was playing four hours a night, at least four nights a week. When I saw him a year later, completely different player, completely different player. So much more mature, uh, so much better, so much better execution. There is no way around it. Playing in front of people is how you get better. And uh, even though those things are hard, that's what makes you good. All right. I hope you've enjoyed my story today, and uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzach.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.